a tremendous celebrationary uh, morning uh, where we're going to see some children dedicated and then a little bit later on uh, a number of people baptised. So we understand this morning that there are going to be a lot of young children in here. Uh, there's going to be a video for some out in there if you'd like your children to go out there when the kids go out. Uh, but if you'd like your children to stay in and to hear some of the testimonies of some of those who are being baptised, then they're welcome to do that too. We just ask that you keep them under control. Thank you. That would be fantastic. Well, I'm going to ask, we've got three sets of parents that have brought their children uh, to be dedicated to the Lord this morning. I'm going to ask if they'd come and join me at the moment. And we'll just make a little bit of room for you guys up here. Fit up here as best we can. So we've got Steve and Jenny and Shabu and Beck. And the rest coming? Here they come. And Zach and Laura. Terrific, which is great. Just come and join us here. This is Shabu. Shabu's one of our pastors at the church and his wife, Beck, and Elisha, who's with them. And they have little Amaya Claire with them this morning. You don't? No. Sorry, 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 Lucy. Sorry, Lucy Claire. I'm going to get this right. <laughs> And this is Zach and Laura, and this is Zach, and this is Laura, and I've got that part right. And this is beautiful little Amaya Esther, who's with us today, and their son uh, Isaiah, who's with them as well. And then over the far side, we have Jenny and Steve uh, Taylor, and Jade's with them this morning, and we're going to be dedicating Billy, Steve, and Eli Brenton. How'd we go? got there okay that's great fantastic just to understand this is not baptism for those of you that don't often come into a church you might think oh they're going to baptize these children no it's a little bit different we're going to be dedicating these children and later on we'll be doing some baptisms with a dedication what it's really saying is that the parents have a desire to bring their children up in God's ways and so they bring them this morning basically saying God we want to come before you in the congregation this morning to let you know that we want to bring these children up in your ways and we support them uh, in that One of the verses that I always love to read at this time is a good one for all of us, but it's a terrific one particularly for parents uh, who have children, just as a reminder. And we find it in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Listen to this part here, parents. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So it's incredibly important that as we bring our children up from a very, very early age, whether it's listening to Colin Buchanan in the car or whether it's just talking to them as we walk along, as we sit with them beside their bed, For us, a very precious time for us uh, growing up was our children at bedtime sitting and chatting to them about things of God, which is most important that we do. And so we have three sets of parents this morning, all that are part of our congregation, and all of these parents belong to the Lord, they're Christians, and they have this desire this morning uh, to bring their children to be dedicated uh, to Him this morning. Nothing magical comes from this at all. Nothing, there is nothing assured about their uh, salvation, because that comes later on, where they're hoping Uh, and praying that these children one day will come into a realization of who Jesus is, bow before him, repent of their sins, ask forgiveness and become a child of God, which is what we're going to be seeing a bit later in our baptism. So what I have this morning is I have, uh, first of all, a couple of questions for uh, the parents, uh, which are important ones. First of all, uh, one about their own faith and then one 
uh, other one in regards to why they come here this morning. So, firstly, for the parents, I ask, do you declare yourself to be children of the living God, trusting in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of sins and for the gift of eternal life? You do, that's great. And do you, with God's help, commit to providing your children with a Christian home of love and peace and to raise them in the truth of our Lord's instruction and discipline so that they might one day turn to God and trust Jesus as their own Saviour and Lord? Fantastic. Congregation, um, some of you may not be Christians, you might have been in a church for a long time, that's okay. I'm going to ask that we all stand in a moment and then those of you who belong to the Lord, there's a question I'm going to ask you too. So can you all stand? Congregation and people as we stand before God here this morning and we see these beautiful young children that have been brought uh, to be dedicated in such a wonderful way, here's my question to you. Do you commit with God's help, to be faithful in your calling as members of the body of Christ, to support and encourage these parents as they teach and train their children in God's way. Will you do that? Good stuff. Sit down. We're going to pray for these children. And uh, I would also ask that maybe uh, those of you who are here this morning that belong to the Lord, maybe choose one of these uh, children, not to take home with you, but choose one of these children uh, to pray for during the next week and maybe in the ensuing months as well as they really get their journey. But not only for the children, but we're also praying for their parents too because they have committed that they want to bring these children up in His ways. So let's bow before the Lord and let's pray for these little ones. We thank you, Lord God, for the gift of giving us children. We just thank you for them, Lord God. We thank you how much we can learn from them, from their simplicity, Lord God, and their simple faith. And we would pray for all of these children, Lord God. We would pray for little Amaya. We would pray that you would bless her and keep her, Lord God. We pray for Steve, uh, little um, Billy Steve, and for Eli, and also for Lucy, Lord God, that you might, in your grace, come to them, and at some stage in their life, Lord God, that they might be drawn to you, and uh, that they might become a child of God. We love them, Lord God, and we love their parents, and we would ask your blessing upon them today, in Jesus' name. Amen. And just a final uh, blessing to them. Uh, The Lord bless you and keep you, little ones. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Can we remember over the next little bit to be praying for mums and dads, and also uh, for these little ones that have been brought forward to be dedicated this morning. And maybe even renew our self today as parents as to what we do with our children, how we pray for our parents as we continually dedicate them back to the Lord until such time that they make a decision to follow Him as well. Thanks, folks. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Shabu. Billy. Where's Billy? Billy, look, there's one for you, mate. Look at that. Fantastic. And Amaya. And for Lucy, and for Brenton. Look, Brenton, there's one for you. Eli, Eli Brenton. <laughs> and there's one for Eli. There's one for Eli, and one for where are we? For Billy. There's one for you, mate. That's your idea. Be able to read that to Mum and Dad tonight. And Maya, and also for Lucy. There you go. Good on you. Thanks, folks. Terrific. Uh, just one, one thing that I forgot to mention. Uh, this morning. Where's Laura and Zach and little Amaya? Where are they? Are they, are they headed out for the moment? 
Or are they still in here? They did the I completely forgot to say, it's a, Maya's actually her, it's her first birthday this morning too. So make sure that you uh, catch up with them a little bit later on and you can give all your presents into the pusher. We've got enough room there. <laughs> well, good morning and welcome to Canterbury Gardens. Uh, my name's Nathan. I'm one of the other pastors here and it's, it's our privilege to have you here today. Now, just uh, to help us out, if you are in a row and you have space squeeze in because there's people standing we'd like to get them into a seat so if you've got a, a spare seat next to you put your hand up if you guys want a seat go and find one that'd be great okay that's wonderful well this morning's a really special uh time in the in the body life of the church and uh, it's exciting because we get to hear the testimonies of nine people this morning who have put their faith, personal faith and trust in Christ. And we get to hear what that means to them, and then we get to celebrate it by the symbol of baptism. So without further ado, I'm going to invite, uh, get my list, invite Zach Higgins to come forward. Come on, Zach. I'm Zachary Higgins. I've been coming here for about a year and a half now. Um, as I was growing up, my family was quite big with the Mormon religion. We had a big focus on that and a big focus on God and Jesus. But I was like one of those many, many teenagers. I grew up, I started to rebel, moved out of home, away from my family, bit of a rebel at school at times, real painted teachers. But I turned away from God. But it started to get to me. For years I struggled, had trouble with many things, felt empty, felt alone. And then I did have this hope, but I didn't know what it was. I met a lovely lady who's now my wife, Terry. You'll get to meet her a bit later. Um, she had great hope for me. I don't know what she saw, but she saw something. She um, heard about this church and started coming along and encouraged me to come along too. And I was hesitant after my rebellious years and one day I gave her a surprise and followed her here in the car and said hi. <laughs> so I kept coming to support her and after a little while I found myself coming for myself and not her. So about a year ago now, I started to look to learn a bit more about what was getting taught and being said. I was told stories of what God had done with people, both in my family and others close to me and others in the church. And really started to dawn on me what God has done for people and what he means to me and what he's done for me as well. So... Today I, I show in front of everyone here that he is my life and I'm giving it to him. Thanks, Zach. What a, what a wonderful testimony. Uh, Nicole Jones. Come on up, Nicole. Um, I don't have 
a point in my life where I remember coming to faith in God. Um, I was very blessed to grow up in a Christian family, and from a very young age, I had an understanding that I was a sinner and that I needed God. But I didn't comprehend what it meant to be a Christian. And as I've grown up, God's taken me on a journey and shown me how much I need him at the center of my life. Um, I sort of lived the first part of my life in a little comfortable little bubble. Um, I was homeschooled and I was surrounded by a very big family who've always had an incredible faith in God. Um, but then things started to change for me. And I went to school for the first time at the start of year five. We changed churches at the end of year eight. Um, and that was starting to push me out of my little bubble um, and into places that I felt uncomfortable or scared. Um, that was really hard for me, adjusting to school and then leaving the friends I'd made at the church. Um, but then I started going to a small group here. Um, and I can't remember what we were talking about, but one night um, someone said something that stuck with me. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. Um, it sort of it showed me that what was happening wasn't God torturing me. It was him growing me and pulling me closer to him. Um, I spent a lot of time in the months after that um, struggling with the fact that I knew God wanted me where I was but and that he had a purpose for me there, but it still really scared me. Um, and then about near the end of last year, I went on camp to the Grampians. Um, the camp had been going well and I was happy, but then it got to the last day. And right before we were leaving, we were going abseiling. Now, I am terrified of heights, and that was hard, but I thought, oh, yeah, I'll be okay. But then I got up there, and I was scared stiff. I could hardly move, and it got to my turn. Um, and when you go, you have to keep your feet on the edge and then lean back. That terrified me. Um, but just as I was about to go, um, I had read a passage a couple of days before um, from Matthew that I remembered. Um, it's when Peter was walking on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? It was like God was telling me, why is you, are you so scared of doing this? It's not. Um, I'm right beside you. I'm never going to let you fall. Um, what I found is that it's very easy to look at the world around us and see how small we are compared to it instead of seeing how big God is. Um, and when we step out in faith, he doesn't just leave us there to do it by ourselves. 
he comes with us and holds us up and gives us the strength we need to do what he's called us to do. Um, a verse I have that has helped me a lot over the years is Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Um, my baptism is, I guess, my next step of faith with God. Um, I know it's not going to get easier, but I know he will always be with me. Thank you, Nicole. What a, what a touching testimony. God is always with us. Malcolm. This is uh, Malcolm Weeks, and uh, he's going to share his testimony. Thanks, Malcolm. So some people might say, I've lived the easy Christian life, sheltered under the wings of a Christian family, for which I am eternally grateful. And yet others would say, my life is the hard one. A life lived traveling the earth to wherever my family has been called to go. The life of a missionary kid. I'm certain about one thing. I've been sheltered from many things. Throughout my life, there have been many events where by all means I should have been seriously injured, if not killed. Between the age of one and two, I had three falling incidents, the first of which was off my grandpa's porch, which is on the second story of his house. I walked towards the barbecue, which my grandpa was using at the time, so my grandpa, trying to keep me from burning myself, scared me, and so I ran through a gap in the railing, straight off the porch. I landed on grass and was fine. Now the part of this story that makes me think God was involved is that the day before, there was a pile of bricks where I had landed, but out of nowhere, my grandpa had gotten the idea to move them. I also fell significantly far two other times that year. I'm certain I was protected because toddlers are fragile and by no means meant to fall eight feet onto hardwood floors or concrete. That was long before I decided to become a Christian. As a child, I observed the faith of my parents um, and this made me want to share that faith. At the age of six, I asked my mother how I could get what she had. She told me to ask Jesus into my heart. I asked my mother to pray that prayer with me that day. It's interesting to think about how much can change in the time between being a child and being a teenager. I realized that at the age of 12, I was challenged by a speaker at my school. He spoke of how Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with you and that sometimes we just let our parents' faith be a replacement for, for a relationship with Jesus. I'd say that this heightened my understanding more than anything. I began to think of him as a friend as well as a savior, and this made me ask him into my life personally. I decided I should ask him myself. I don't know about everyone else's opinion, but I find it much easier to have faith in someone who, who you regard as a friend I trust Jesus, my friend, Lord, and Savior, with my life. I just never saw the point of being baptized until recently. So here I am, a child of God, saved by Jesus. And yet, even though I have reached this point, I know that I'm still on a journey, the hardest journey of my life. I'm just glad I don't have to walk, walk it alone. Jesus is 
and will be there every step of the way. Are you finding this encouraging? Wonderful to hear, isn't it? Uh, Courtney, Courtney Young, could you come and join us up here, please? Proverbs 8, verse 7 to 21 reads, I love those who love me. Those who look for me find me. Within me are riches and honour. With me are lasting wealth and success. My fruit is better than fine gold. My gifts are better than the finest silver. I walk in ways that are honest. I take paths that are right. I leave riches to those who love me. I give them more than they have room for. I'm getting baptised not for the riches or gold. I'm getting baptised to show my friends, family and God that I'm a committed child, friend and follower of Jesus Christ. God has taken over my life. He's spoken to me. He's told me he loves me more than anything in the world. He's encouraged me to want more from him, to want his love, mercy, more than anything else. What has changed in me? Nothing but love, joy and listening. I'm not just here to tell you about what Jesus Christ has done for me, but how I want to thank him and praise him for his love, patience, kindness, gentleness. The list could go on forever until I run out of words. God's love is so great that there is no word to fully describe it. Now I'm going to show my friends and family that ever since the day I committed myself to God, the Holy Spirit has came into me and changed my life. Thank you, Courtney. Ethan, would you like to join us up here? This is Ethan Souter. Um, hi, everyone. So I'm Ethan. Um, throughout my life, I've been blessed to have a whole family, an extended family of Christians that have um, loved me and supported me. Um, I, ch- I attended church from birth um, and up until the age of seven, I listened, and, but I always thought I was missing something. Um, when I was seven, on a um, summer day camp in Brisbane, I heard uh, the children's pastor there talking about what it means to be a Christian and how we let go of the steering wheel. We let Christ take over our lives. And um, so I went home that day. I thought about it. I asked my parents some questions. I read my Bible. I prayed. Um, the next day, I decided I was going to take the plunge. I was going to commit that I was ready. Um, and that day was the emotions that came over me. I cannot describe. Um, so that was like the first significant step in my faith as a Christian. Now, today, as I stand up here on stage, I've decided that I'm ready to take the next step to pub to declare to everyone that I'm a Christian. I I recognize this isn't necessary for my salvation. I know I'm already saved, but I've always been very shy about my faith, never really engaging conversation with friends about my faith unless they started it. But today I'm hanging it up on the wall that I'm a Christian. I'm waving a flag saying I'm a follower of Christ. Today, I'm dying to my old life and being born into my new one. This is a significant point in my walk with Christ. I'm living for Christ. I want everyone to see that. Thank you.
What a wonderful encouragement. We're going to continue with some more testimonies in about uh, 10 minutes' time, but we thought it would be uh, good at this time just to really explain what uh, baptism means. Uh, there are many different views about what baptism could mean, and we, we need to take this opportunity to to explain what it is. So if you bear with us for the next 10 or so minutes, that's what we're going to do. It's interesting, isn't it? Because in life there are, there are all sorts of symbols. Now, me even putting that symbol up close to lunch will have all sorts of responses. You'll either be disgusted by the response because you don't like Maccas. Uh, you could respond totally different as a customer of McDonald's uh, or you could be an employer of McDonald's and you'd have a different response to this symbol than the rest of us. Or you could even be an owner of McDonald's and have a franchise and, uh, and your response would be somewhat different again as you count the profit going into the till day after day after day. You know, this world is full of symbols, is it not? And we're consistently bombarded with different symbols. And symbols represent something. They represent a value or they represent an ethos that is wanted in life. Now, for instance, if I were to show you this symbol, what would that mean to you? Yeah, most of us would, would know what that symbol is. It's a, it's a red cross. And when we, we view a symbol like that, we, we think of the symbol being displayed in times of disaster, in times of war perhaps, and the symbol represents a place of security and help. You know that if you were to find the symbol, that beneath it there would be either medical supplies, food supplies, something that would aid you in the midst of a disaster. That's what it would represent, but what it wouldn't represent would be the character of those people that were helping you. You would know little about their character, would you not? You would know that they want to serve you and help you, but you wouldn't really know the person. You'd only know the person by the actions they represent. Similarly, if I was to show you this symbol. Who knows what this symbol is? Yell it out. It's a Victoria Cross. The symbol of a Victoria Cross is the highest military honour in Australia. And it's a symbol of bravery and of courage. For instance, if you were to see this uh, cross or this medal pinned to someone's chest, what would you think about that person? Even if you did not know that person, what would you think about that person? Well, you'd think, oh, they are a hero. They've done something absolutely extraordinary for the sake of others. The symbol itself would represent the action of the person. It would represent this act of bravery. You may not know intimately about the act of bravery, but you know that this person has sacrificed something of self. Because you know this particular medal can be distributed to those who are alive and those who are also dead. 
It's a honour of self-sacrifice. Now, baptism in the same way is a symbol. You've heard five testimonies already this morning and you're going to hear another four testimonies. And the common theme and common thread that is coming through this is that the process of baptism and what we will do out here shortly of immersing somebody into water and bringing them out again is a symbol, is a symbolic of an inward change. You know, if you're a visitor here today and you're supporting somebody, a family or a friend, we really welcome you. We, we, we love having you here today, as so do your family and friends. But you know, it's important to understand what this symbol means in the life of those who are testifying to it. And as a church, we hold highly the Word of God, the Bible. We believe that God's Word is inspired by God himself. And so to give us some instruction about the importance of baptism, I'm going to read some verses from God's Word. To help explain that the symbol of baptism is all it is. It's a symbol of an inward change, an inward change in the life of the people represented here. An inward change by the power of God's Spirit to transform a heart. So I'll read here from a book called Colossians. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. These verses speak truth. They tell us the truth of what baptism is. Baptism, like circumcision, is an outward sign of an inward reality. The writer here is talking about circumcision as, a, as the Israeli nation was charged to do. As a sign of them being the people of God, they had to be circumcised. In the same way, baptism is a sign and a symbol of an inward reality, an inward change in the heart and life of a person. You know, baptism is not something the church prescribes to get you saved. Baptism is not some religious rite that guarantees you anything. 
Salvation comes, as we'll see in these verses, from Jesus alone. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life, and there's no other way to the Father except through him. You see, when these folks take part in this baptism, they're saying, the Lord is now Lord of my life, and he has been. He has saved me. There's nothing I could do to save myself. I've had to call out upon his name. I've had to realize that I was dead, spiritually, dead. And why am I dead? Because my sin has separated me from a holy God. But see the good news in this verse. The good news is that God forgives sins. God can forgive any sin and restore us again to himself. And the way of forgiveness of sin is in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Why? Because 2,000 years ago, he was nailed to a cross. He was crucified. So that you and I may have a relationship with him again. He took on the sin of the world. So that you and I could have an eternal relationship again. And this eternal relationship comes by the way of two means by faith and trust in God's gift. There's no external right or, or piece of religion that saves you. Only a personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ saves. And that's great news because it's a free gift of His grace. It's a free gift. You know, the world is full of religious practices that mask this truth and reality. Some of the religious practices will say you have to attend this church to be saved. The Bible does not teach that. Some religious practices will say you need to be baptized to be saved. The Bible does not teach that. The Bible teaches that you are fallen. You're sinful. You're separated from a holy God. And the only remedy, the only rescue is Jesus. And that's wonderful news. But you see what Jesus does, and this is what's been testified. In verse 14 we read, he cancels the record of the charges against us and he takes it away. All that sin that sits in our account on one side, what Jesus does is he takes it and he puts it on himself. And we have a clean slate. My, how we'd like that done with our credit card statements. Because that's what he's dealing with here. He's saying the indebtedness you have because of your sinful state has now been cleared clean because of Jesus' death on the cross. It's a historical fact. Jesus died and three days later rose again. That's what the Bible teaches. And it's interesting as you look at these verses again that uh, not only is it a personal thing for us to put our faith and trust in them to have security of salvation, it's also a public display to the heavenly rulers. 
that Christ has won the victory. The cross has shamed the demonic powers of this world because Jesus is risen and he's alive. And that means that we have security in his promises and we can trust his promises. Jesus changes lives. You're hearing that this morning. You'll continue to hear it. Jesus changes lives. He gives us life to the full. If you don't know Jesus, I would challenge you today. Come and talk to one of the pastors. Come and talk to one of the friends that brought you. Ask us. We'll give you a Bible. We'll start reading about the claims of Jesus. So as you read about the claims of Jesus, there's only three things you can really come to. He's either a liar, he's either a lunatic, or he is Lord. We proclaim this morning he is Lord because we can see it in the testimony of transformed lives. And that's exciting. Those of you who are getting baptised, my challenge for you today is it's wonderful, this public testimony. But you know what? Tomorrow's going to be tough. Because you're nailing your colours to the mask, so to speak. You're declaring to the world that Christ is your Lord and Saviour. My encouragement to you is to Stay close to him. Call about upon his name. Wrestle with the grace that he gives you each day to be a child of his. Yes, you will fall. Yes, you will stumble. But you know what? God's grace is greater than that. God's grace is amazing. God's grace is transforming. So be encouraged as you step out today. So there it is. If you don't know the Lord, he's the only way of salvation. God has provided his son as the only means to eternal life. Check it out. We'd love to chat to you about that. For those of you being baptized, it's going to be tough but rely on God's grace. The same grace that saved you is the same grace that will continue to transform you. Look to him always. Be in his word daily and consistently walk the walk he has for you. And we as a body will get beside you and encourage you because it is a wonderful, wonderful life. Okay, Terry. We'd love to hear your testimony. Um, my life has been a series of blessings from God. Uh, at two years old, I was given about a 5% chance of survival. The, there was no cure and no guarantee that any of the treatments they could give me were going to work. For everything that seemed to go wrong in my life, or at least from my perspective... God's had an amazing plan and an even better solution. When I was seizing constantly for over three years, I asked him to stop the seizures, and he did. Before the surgery to stop the seizures, I had to have a test, and 
I wasn't having the seizures that I needed. So I began to pray to him. But before I could even ask for him to give me a seizure that I needed, I was already seizing. God knew everything and has always known everything that I've needed and has always provided it for me. When I asked for one sister when I was a child, I have now got nine, including in-laws. God has given me absolutely everything in my life. Although I didn't always know it, he's always been there for me, he's always provided, and he's never turned away from me. God is incredibly merciful, he's astounding, and he is all-powerful. I'm forever grateful for that. I'm forever grateful for this gift of life that he's given me, and I want to continue to live it for him. Rebecca Suter, I'd like to come and share your testimony. Where is Rebecca? Here she comes. I've grown up in a Christian home and have attended a Christian school all my life. And I think I've always kind of believed that God is real, but I wanted to make a choice for my own personal faith. One night last year, I decided to pray and I asked God to take control of my life. One of the reasons I did that was because I had been having some hard times at school and I didn't know how to handle it. One Bible passage that has really helped me is Ephesians six ten to 18 about the armour of God. Another thing that helps when times get tough is knowing that God understands what I'm going through and nothing can overpower him. The main reason for me wanting to get baptised today is that I, I wanted to make a statement of my faith before I start secondary school next year so that I will have the strength to stand against peer pressure that so many people feel in high school. I want to show others that I am a follower of Christ and encourage others to take this step of faith as well. That's wonderful. Thank you. Nelson, you come and join us, please. All right. Yes, I'm Nelson. Okay, so that gets rid of the introduction part of this. <laughs> As the son of missionary parents, I learned about God at an early age, around age seven or eight. That's when I accepted Jesus into my heart. The only problem was I didn't really. Sure, I prayed for forgiveness from my sins, but I didn't really get the point. When my parents told me about the Lord, I believed if they said it, then it must be real. And that is all that truly took place. God exists. Cool. Now, can I go outside and play again? <laughs> I had tucked him in the back of my mind and left it at that. I grew up telling people that I was a Christian, I knew the answers to the Bible questions that teachers asked. However, I never truly took God seriously. But even so, he sure took me seriously. Even though I tried to ignore God and live my own life, God didn't give up on me. He just kept on poking at my heart. And over time, he wore me down. In the last few years, I've really begun to see God for who he really is. If I may use the words of my favorite Christian music group, 10th Avenue North, 
His love is over. It's underneath. It's inside. It's in between. God is love. A love that surrounds me, is the support beneath my feet, and is in me. Even though I thought my walls of sin were too great, his love burst through the cracks. That is a God I want to believe in, follow, and give my life to, not just push to the side. I'm nowhere near perfect, and I expect that there will be struggles in the future, but I know that Jesus will be walking right beside me through them. So, for now, I want to make my public declaration that I believe in the Lord and my life belongs to him. Thank you. Thanks, Nelson. That was wonderful. I'm glad God continued to pursue you. It's wonderful. Uh, Carsten, we'd love to hear from you. Got one of those other symbols on, I see. Um, hello, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Carsten. I'm one of the youth leaders of Canterbury Gardens Community Church. I decided to take a gap year this year, and man, God has taken me on a journey this year. And I've decided to get baptized this year because I wanted to publicly share my faith, knowing that He is my Father and Savior, and serve Him in all I do. I was born in a Christian family and became a Christian at the age of eight, talking to my dad what it really meant to be a Christian. I decided to ask the Lord to come into my life, thinking everything would be awesome and swell and life would be perfect. Well, man, I was wrong, and it took me only this year to realize it. The reason is that I decided to take control of my own faith, and I sought to seek a mentor. At this time, it had been a great learning experience for me growing in God. I could tell you many different stories of hardship growing up, but I think it would take up a whole week of your time, and I only got five minutes. (laughs) During this year, God has taught me a lot, especially with my trust issues. Um, And growing up, I had built this hope and trust in my dad, and everything would be all right. But through some bad choices he made, it soon was destroyed, and that hope and trust that you build in a father figure soon disappeared. I started to become angry and sad a lot at this time because I would build this hope and trust in friendships and relationships. And then I would be let down again and I would wonder why I was put on this earth just to suffer. But not realizing that the only person who would never leave me nor forsake me was God. But my hope was not in him at this time because in reality of me thinking he couldn't be my father figure because he wasn't there physically dawned on me. It scared me knowing that I didn't have a father figure to look up to, who, you could, who I could then put my trust and hope in and not hate and find it hard to forgive because of all the past choices he had made through growing up as a child. And that was God. My Heavenly Father has taught me a lot through grace this year. One thing that has stuck in my heart throughout my journey is that I have to put my hope and trust not in people but rather in God instead. I can always look up to God as a father in my heart and it has made me a lot happier appreciating all the things I don't have and rather the things I do. But I am still learning at this very day and I thirst for more of God's knowledge so I can be a father figure to my kids one day. I hope to forgive my dad for all the bad choices he's made and put our family through. And I want to 
Because in Matthew 6, 14 to 15, it says, For I forgive men when they sin against you. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men for their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And I know that knowing that this, I will someday rebuild that relationship with my dad and just forget the past. I would like to leave you with this verse in Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Knowing God is there for me is something that I can always cherish in my heart. Thank you. Well, I trust you've been encouraged by those wonderful testimonies. We now have a... We're going to move outside for the baptisms, so... We want to do that in an orderly fashion. Uh, 